Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I would encourage you to turn with me to Psalm 27. Today we're going we're gonna to get into God's hymnal once again. I love, I love to sing and I love to think about the Psalms. And this morning I would like for us to consider a, a hymn of hope. And that's really what the Psalms are. It, it's a hymnal, a collection of songs and poetry that, that God's people sang and thought about as they considered God and His greatness. And so what, what, one of the things I love about the Psalms when I teach through it and even study through it is that it causes me, hopefully it will cause each of us, to look at our lives in reality and also to allow God through His Word to encourage us, to, to convict us of where we are, to help us, especially in times of need and struggle. And that's often where David found himself. And Psalm 27 is no different. In this chapter, we, we get a front row seat, a glimpse into David's life to see how God is at work and how even through his struggles and trials, we like David can have hope and confidence in God. And so that being my goal, let's stand in honor of God and his word. And we're going to read together. I'll just read uh, the chapter in its entirety. Psalm 27, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not. O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Would you just remain standing and pray with me as we commit our time to the Lord. Father, we love you and your word is truth this morning. And so I pray even now for us as we spend the next few moments considering your word, considering its truth. Lord, change us. Cause our hearts to desire to worship you more greatly. We commit our time to you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The Psalms are personal, and so 
as I share this morning, it's going to be personal. And so I hope that it will be personal for you as well as we talk about personal things. I'm sure we could all go back in, into a time that we have faced a trial, a circumstance that we were in, where we were filled or faced with overwhelming fear. A time in which we've experienced some degree of uncertainty, doubt, maybe even anxiousness, a lack of faith in God, not knowing how things are going to turn out. And all of these things in turmoil cause thoughts and feelings in our hearts and lives. A lost job, perhaps. A lost loved one, a broken marriage, all kinds of loss that we face that can bring uncertainty and fear and anxiety. And as David writes this psalm, this is where he is. He's right there. His circumstances are difficult, painful. He doesn't know how they're going to turn out. He's wondering, but, but here's what I want you to see this morning as we consider this text. That even amidst the pain and fear, uncertainty that David faces, he has hope. He has faith. He hasn't lost his confidence in God. In fact, what he does is, is he pens this chapter for us. He gives us six reasons. Well, I'm going to say that he gave us six reasons for hope in God. And so I don't know where you are today. Um, Maybe you would say, I'm on the mountaintop right now. Life is good. Everything is going well. I have no fears in my life, no uncertainty right now. It's really good. Well, praise the Lord, and, and I'm thankful for that in your life. But maybe, maybe this morning you are in the valley. There's hard things going on. There's uncertainty and doubt, fear and anxiety and so regardless of where we are, whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley today, there are six reasons for us to have hope in God, six reasons for us to sing to the Lord. So we're just going to look at the text, and I'm going to just talk you through these six reasons for hope in God. Here's the first one. Number one, God provides peace when I'm afraid. God provides peace when I'm afraid. Here's what I want you to see is that in verse 1, if you look at it, here's what David, the king of Israel, writes for us. He says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. And though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war arrives against me, yet I will be confident. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on here in David's life, specifically, when he's writing these words. But many commentators I have read are of the opinion that an army has come up against the nation of Israel and thus against David. And so he's, he's feeling the real weight of their attack, their, their presence all around him, a feeling of uncertainty at that very moment. He was asking questions, are, are we going to be victorious in battle? Are my enemies going to prevail against me? And so while we don't know exactly what he's going through, we, we know that they're hard times, overwhelming times, even painful. 
And so as you look at this text, here's what I want you to understand is that when David says things like this in the circumstances that he has fear or not fear, I'm not going to be afraid, it doesn't mean that there's not some really horrific, frightful things going on around him. It doesn't mean that the things happening in his life are, are really no big deal. He's not minimizing their significance or their potential blow. That's not what's going on here. But rather, David is saying this, if I could paraphrase it. He's saying, I've got some uncertain times in my life. There's circumstances going on right now that are outside of my control. I don't know how they're going to turn out. In fact, they make me afraid. But the fear is not going to overwhelm me, he would say. The fear is not going to control me. Because why? Because here's something that I know about God. And then he shares with us how God provides peace when we're afraid. Look at what it says in verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Here's what he knows. He knows who God is. He knows how God works. He's seen it time and time again in his life. God is light, he knows. And that in darkness and the storms of light, life, God dispels the darkness. And more than that even, it says in verse 1 that not only does God dispel the darkness, but he's salvation. Salvation is a word for deliverance. He literally brings deliverance in the hard and painful circumstances of life. David knows this well. If you look at the end of verse 1, it says, The Lord is the stronghold of my life. For David, God is that place of refuge. God is that, that place where he can run when he has nowhere else to turn, where he can feel secure in spite of all the dangers around him. He knows God. And because he understands who God is and somewhat knows how God is working, there's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason for, for him to allow fear to overwhelm him. God is bringing him peace. God is light. God is salvation. God is a stronghold. One last thing I want you to notice is this. David is not referring to God in an objective, distant, uh, academic way. He's not reflecting on God in an impersonal way. I'm sure you notice that, but it's significant. Look at verse 1 one last time. It says, the Lord is, what's the next word? My salvation. He's my light, my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David knew God. David had a deep and abiding relationship with God because he saw what God had done. He could say that God's light is what I have experienced. I've seen God dispel the darkness of my life. And so here's what I know. God is in control. God is watching over me. God is working through my circumstances. He is intimately and personally involved with me. The enemies won't ultimately prevail. They are going to be the ones that are on the run. And even if they encamp against me, verse 3 says, 
They're not going to win. I can be confident, he says. When I'm afraid, there's peace. Catch this. God wants all of us today, no matter where we're living, mountaintop or valley, he wants all of us leaning into him, learning, growing in our understanding of who he is, experiencing his peace getting to know him more and more, who he is, what he seeks to accomplish, even in the hard times, so that when we are afraid, we can have peace. Here's number two. Reason for hope in God. Number two, God provides answers when I'm searching. God provides answers when I'm searching. Look at verse four with me. He says this, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I wonder how many of you would say that when you face uncertain times, fear and worry, that you would say, I I just want to be with somebody that knows me and understands me. Somebody that I could just pour my heart out to and they'll, they'll listen without judgment. Someone that I could find security and rest in. Somebody who just understands. Does anybody ever have that kind of time? I, th- I believe David perhaps is wanting that too as we look at verse 4. But he's, he's not running to a human friend or an acquaintance in some place. No, he says, I'm, I'm running to God. I'm, one thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, of course, David is not saying that he wants to pack up all his belongings and go on a road trip and, and live in, in God's house, move into the temple. That's not what he's talking about. What he's really longing for is God's presence. He's longing to be with God all the time. To to be with him, to, to talk with him. He longs for his understanding, his presence in his life. He's saying, I want to get as as close to God as I possibly can. That's what he's saying. I'm, I'm seeking after the very presence of God. I don't mean in a mystical way. I mean simply in a way to understand what God is teaching him, what he has for him. Now notice in verse 4 why it is that David wants to be in God's presence. It gives it for us here really two things. Number one, here we are, I love this verse, to worship. He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. He wants to be in God's presence close to him in times of trouble so that, in order that, he may worship him. He wants to lift him high in his life. As storms are around and darkness is prevailing, he wants to worship. Secondly, we see that he wants wisdom, understanding. Look at the end of verse 4. It says that he, and to inquire in his temple... 
Have you noticed this in your own life? And I, I see this here in David's life. Hard times often bring questions. Like, what's, what's going on here? Why is this happening to me? How is this going to end? Is this going to end? How am I going to respond to this? We're often brought to ask all these kinds of questions internally in our minds and in our hearts, and we struggle through all these feelings and, and thoughts. And so in, in that feeling that David is, he says, I'm going into God's presence because here's what I know. I know that I can gain wisdom from God. I know that I can gain direction from God. He understands, David understands that when, when we are searching for answers, God is where we go. When hard times come, we go to God in prayer. We go to his word. If I'm seeking to understand who God is, what God is up to, what God wants from me, and as I'm seeking to be more and more in God's presence, he's going to provide those answers through his word. God will provide answers when I'm searching. Number three, we see in verse, verses five and six. Number three, God provides protection when I'm troubled. God provides protection when I'm troubled. Look at verse 5. He says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I love this picture here that we see of God in verse 5. Again, David going through hard, painful times. His enemies are rising up against him. He's asking those questions, will I prevail? How long will this last? How is this going to turn out? He's speaking truth to himself. What do I know about who God is? Here's what he knows about God. Look at verse 5. He says, for he will hide, maybe we, maybe we should circle that word, underline that word, he will hide me in the shelter, in his shelter in the day of trouble. Then he says, he will conceal me, so maybe that was another word you could circle, underline, put a smiley face over, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent, and then he will lift, there's another word, he will lift me high upon a rock. And so what happens in David's life when hard, uncertain times fall upon us? He knows, we can know, that God is there to hide us, to bring security into our life, to care for us, to love us. We can know that, that God is there to conceal us, to offer us protection. And then ultimately, God is there to lift us up to bring us encouragement and help in times of need and struggle. He hides, he conceals, he lifts. Now one thing I want you to note is that God does not always do this by simply taking us out of the trouble. I mean, wouldn't that be nice? 
where every time we would face a hard, uncertain, perhaps painful circumstance or time, that God would come in and just say, oh, not for you. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to rescue you. I would love that. But that is not how it works. Oftentimes, God does not always just end my problems. Hard times, whether they be relational issues, health issues, financial needs. Wouldn't it be great if God would just say, I'm just going to end those. No more pain. No more suffering. It's, it's over. Now we all know that most of the time it doesn't work that way. He doesn't typically take us out of the situation and the hard time. But here is what God always does do though. God always provides grace. Grace to endure the pain. Grace to go through that time of uncertainty. God always provides grace. There's, there's a great verse just to remind us of, of that in action. In, in 2 Corinthians 12, Turn there if you like, but, but perhaps you'll recognize it. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, Paul the Apostle is, is facing uncertain times himself. And we read a lot about his accounts of, of hardship that he's faced. But in this chapter, we read about this, this thorn in the flesh that he has. And he really wants it removed and he wants it to be over. He wants out of this circumstance. And so he's praying to God over and over, Lord, please take it away, take it away, take it away. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, we, we see, we hear the answer that, that Paul receives from God. And here's what he says. He says, my grace, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says this, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now Paul goes on to declare this in verse 10. He says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, God doesn't, he doesn't want us to try to handle our, our hard painful times he's not looking to us to try to bear it up and and buck up and and in our own strength under the weight of those things do better that's not what god is interested in it's not what he's going for god wants us to be weak dependent to be helpless broken and you know why that is one, because we're prideful, sinful creatures. But two, because when we come to the place where we say, I can't take it anymore. I can't do it. I, I can't handle this. It's in those times, and finally, we are ready to lean upon him to handle and bear it and see it through. That's grace. My grace is sufficient. Now, what is grace? It's not 
simply, although it is God's undeserved kindness. But God says to Paul in that verse, my grace is sufficient for power is perfected in weakness. So in this verse, grace is synonymous with power. God's power is available to see us through, to help us in our times of struggle. David understood that, knew that about God. And because God hides and because God conceals and lifts up, David knew that God is my protection when I'm troubled. One last thing. Do you notice in verse 6 where, again, that leads David? Look at it again. It says in verse 6, Now my head shall be lifted up, all, or lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. I want you to know here that the trial is not over. David does not yet know how it's going to turn out. There's still fearful times upon him. But here's what he says. He said, my head is going to be lifted up above my enemies all around me. The attack is still taking place. But even in the, midst, in the middle of those circumstances, he is saying, but I am going to worship. That is where his understanding of God's protection takes him. He says, I'm going to offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. I'm going to sing and make melody to the Lord. I would suggest that the easiest time to worship, to be thankful, is when the trial is over. When we can look back at that hard time that came into our lives and to look and see how God intervened, how God did his thing, and on the other side of that trial, we, we could say, wow, Lord, you, you bore me up and you brought me through. That's the easiest time to give thanks after the trial. But it's harder, perhaps, to even give thanks before the trial. You know something is on the horizon. You know that there are difficult days ahead perhaps about to go, to come your way. It's a little harder for you to say, Lord, thank you for what I'm about to face. Lord, I don't know how it's going to turn out and I, I don't know where it's going to go, but I know that you're in control. I know that your grace will be sufficient. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are and for the trial that I'm about to face. That's much harder than after the trial, wouldn't you say? But I would submit even further this morning that perhaps the hardest time to worship, the hardest time to be thankful is right smack in the middle of trial. When it's dark, when, when the storms all around are raging, when you don't know where to turn, what to do, how it's going to end, if it's going to end. And in that moment, for you to be able to say, as David did, God, I worship you. I'm lifting you up. 
I'm declaring your greatness because even though I can't see the end of this thing, I trust you. I'm lifting you up. I know that you will work. I know that you are in control. Thank you, Lord, for what I'm going through right now. That's hardest. But I I believe that that is what David beautifully is modeling for us right here. The enemies all around, middle of the storm, God provides protection when I'm troubled. I hope you can be encouraged by that today. Six reasons for us to hope in God. Peace when I'm afraid. Answers when I'm searching. Protection when I'm troubled. Number four, God provides acceptance when I'm forsaken. God provides acceptance when I'm forsaken. Look at, with me at verses 7 through 10. Kind of the second half of this chapter. He writes, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. There's a lot there. But I love what David models for us in the, in the middle of his crisis, in the hardest perhaps part of his dilemma, it doesn't lead him to bitterness. It doesn't lead him to doubt God's goodness. You don't see him here saying, God, where are you? God, don't, don't you love me anymore? Don't you care about me? He's not saying that. That's not where the intensity of his problems take him, but rather, as the crisis increases, What's it do? It it brings him to prayer. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. He's praying. And he's praying in part because, again, according to we look later in verse 10, even those who are closest to him have turned their backs on him. For my father and my mother have forsaken me. Can you imagine? Perhaps. Some of you can. Following after God and his word may lead to being rejected, abandoned, even forsaken. But David knows God. David lets us know that when those times come, God is there to take us in. He says, but the Lord will take me in. The word there for take speaks of God standing with outstretched arms to greet us and welcome us into his family. See, God's not like people. He's not like me, where I'm, I'm moody sometimes. I know that's hard to believe. I'm moody, what? Depending on the weather outside, perhaps, or circumstances going on in your life. God's not like us. He doesn't love us one day and, and then not the next 
You see, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's always standing ready to receive those that will turn from their sin and desire to embrace Jesus Christ. Those that will lean in and find him through faith in Christ. He offers love and peace and acceptance. That's who God is. No matter our earthly relationships, how, how poor or dysfunctional they may be, David reminds us here that God provides acceptance when we're forsaken. He longs to provide comfort, care, and love for us. Number five. Number five. God provides guidance when I'm uncertain. God provides guidance when I'm uncertain. Look with me at verse 11. He says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. Again, we we see here that David is still right in the middle of this trial. His enemies are upon him, and we see even in verse 12 that the people are, are even saying things about David that aren't true. False witnesses have arisen against me. He's feeling the weight of this, the consequences of that, and he's wondering in the trial, he's wondering what he should do. He's asking those questions in his mind. What do I do now? What's the right thing for me to do? What's the wrong way for me to respond? What's the right action to take? How am I supposed to be thinking right now? What, am I, what should I be feeling about these things right now? You see, that's what trials often do to us, is, is they, they cause us to ask questions, which is good. But if we're not tuned in properly to God and, and what he has said is true, it could lead us down to wrong paths of action even decision, and perhaps even into sin. And so David, in order to avoid taking that wrong action, saying the wrong thing towards others, maybe even feeling incorrectly and unjustly about what is coming into his life, David says, Lord, teach me your way. He's not asking for God's approval of his way, but rather humbly, Lord, teach me your way you say, what, what is that way? I, I can't help but think of Psalm 1. We don't have the time, but Psalm 1 is just a great chapter that talks about what it looks like for someone who desires to follow after the Lord. What does it look like for someone who is righteous? And so in Psalm 1, we would see, and I would say it this way, we see that the righteous delight in the law of the Lord and, in the, and the righteous meditate Day and night on the law. They are like a tree planted by streams of water. And so when hard times come, their leaves, their fruit doesn't, wi- doesn't wither. They're going to stand no matter how dark the day, no matter how dry the circumstances, because God's word is nourishment to their soul. God's word provides answers for living rightly. God's word is not just some good answers to consider along with the latest self-help book or lots of other voices. 
No, it's the answer to life and the direction that we need to please God. And so thus, David here in Psalm 27 rightly says, Lord, teach me your way. He's saying, I just want to know your truth. I, I want to know your word. Why? Because that's what I need. That's what we need to enable us to go the way that we should go. To do what's right. To avoid paths of sin. To respond to what I'm getting in a way that honors you. David is saying, I, I want to go down the level path. The, the straight way. The, the right way. Teach me your way. Here's what I know. If, if you and I will humble ourselves before God and his word, if we, dive, if we would dive into the word of God with diligence, with a spirit of teachability, if we will desire to hear what God has to say, he will teach us and he will direct us and lead us. That's the path that I like. I don't know about you. Don't lean on your own wisdom today. Don't lean on and follow the advice of the world that does not know God. James says it this way. Anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally, freely. God pours it out on us in times of trial and uncertainty. God provides guidance when I'm certain. Last. Six reasons to hope in God. Number six, God provides confidence when I'm waiting. God provides confidence when I'm waiting. Verse 13, he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Isn't one of the, the hardest, most difficult times of, of uncertainty, the waiting? You ask the questions, when is this going to end? When, when is God going to work? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. To believe that God is sovereign, that is in control, but not knowing when he's going to do anything about the situation that you're in. To know that, that he promises to work all things together for our good, Romans 8, 28. But then we begin to ask, we continue to ask, but Lord, when am I going to see the good? It's hard to wait. Again, I, I love David's perspective as he finds himself there. He says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This isn't some pie in the sky someday, oh, in Beulah land. No, it's, it's right here, right now, David is saying. While I'm on earth, I believe I am going to see God's goodness. And let me just be clear that God's goodness doesn't always define our goodness, Right? How we think it ought to be worked out is, is not always God's way of working it out. We can know that God is going to do the right thing, that God is going to do the best thing for us. And David is confident in God's goodness, which brings us all the way back 
in this beautiful psalm to our first point. Why is David confident? Why can he say that he believes in the goodness of the Lord? Because he knows God. He knows that God intervenes in times of darkness and gives him light. He knows that God is a God of of deliverance, that God is a, a God of stronghold in times of uncertainty. He knows God. He knows that God is good and that God loves him and so that no matter what comes his way, he's confident while he waits. That's good news. I want to encourage you today with that. If you're waiting, wondering, hold on. You will see God's goodness, and sometimes, many times, it may come in an unexpected way because of who God is and what he's up to. But you can be confident that we will see it. We could all think back to a time in our lives that we've faced overwhelming fear. This week, I I was thinking through the sermon and just thought through one of those times, and and here's what I was able to, to come away with. I, I was thinking, you know what, if I, if I could have gone back in time, a way back machine, whatever it was, and, and talked to myself or said something to myself in that past, in, in my moment of fear and doubt, I would have said, look at Psalm 27. He's in control. He understands. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. You can trust him. He'll protect you. You'll see his goodness. That's true for you today, too. You know, we we sometimes can come to church and put on the face and say, hey, life is good, and and we appear that we're on this mountaintop of, but it's not reality. And so I I don't want to be the, the downer message of, man, doom and gloom, but the reality is, if you find yourself today on the mountaintop and you say oh you know what these six things boy they may not be for me well you know what tomorrow is coming and you're going to need reasons to find hope and confidence in God God's got you you can trust him you could hope in him experience his peace find answers his protection his acceptance his guidance and lastly his confidence let's pray together God we love you And we thank you for this encouraging psalm. Here's the reality, Lord. The reality is, even if we're doing well today, we're trusting in you and and you have been good to us in tangible ways that we can see and feel. It won't be too long before something takes us into the valley. And and Lord, even now I know that there probably are confident there are people in the valley now, but... Some perhaps struggled to to come here today, didn't want to get out of bed, don't feel like worshiping, asking those questions. I don't know what's going to happen. How how are things going to turn out? God, do you really care? But God, Lord, please encourage us with who you are. 
Don't allow us to isolate ourselves or try to escape our circumstances, Lord. But help us, draw us to you through your word, through your people, through your spirit. Bring us, like David, to to rush to you when we're hurting, to long to be in your presence because we know that when we run there, we find help, healing, and hope that we desperately, desperately need. Thank you for ministering on our behalf and thank you for the care that you provide. God, we, we rest in you today. Be glorified in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.